Part two of Chapter twenty one of Equinimitas by Sir William Osler. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Part two of Chapter twenty one Unity, Peace, and Concord. Peace. Many seek peace, few ensue it actively, and among these few we, alas, are not often to be found. In one sense, every one of us may be asked the question, which Jehu returned to Jeram, What hast thou to do with peace? Since our life must be a perpetual warfare, dominated by the fighting spirit, the physician, like the Christian, has three great foes. Ignorance, which is sin, apathy, which is the world, and vice, which is the devil. There is a delightful Arabian proverb, two lines of which run, He that knows not, and knows not that he knows not, is a fool. Shun him. He that knows not, and knows that he knows not, is simple teach him to a large extent these two classes represent the people with whom we have to deal teaching the simple and suffering the fools gladly we must fight the willful ignorance of the one and the helpless ignorance of the other not with the sword of righteous indignation but with the skilful weapon of the tongue on this ignorance the charlatan and the quack live and it is by no means an easy matter to decide how best to conduct a warfare against these wily foes the oldest and most formidable with whom we have to deal as the incomparable fuller remarks well did the poets feign esculapius and circe brother and sister for in all times in the opinion of the multitude, witches, old women, and impostors have had a competition with doctors. Education of the public, of a much more systematic and active kind, is needed. The Congress on Quackery, which is announced to take place in Paris, with some twenty-five subjects for discussion, indicates one important method of dealing with the problem. The remarkable exhibit held last year in Germany, of everything relating to quacks and charlatans, did an immense good in calling attention to the colossal nature of the evil. A permanent museum of this sort might well be organized in Washington in connection with the Department of Hygiene. It might be worth while to imitate our German brethren in a special national exhibit, though I dare say Many of the most notorious sinners would apply for large space, not willing to miss the opportunity for a free advertisement. One effective measure is enforced in Germany. Any proprietary medicine sold to the public must be submitted to a government analyst who prepares a statement as to its composition, the price of its ingredients, etc., which is published at the cost of the owner of the supposed remedy in a certain number of the daily and weekly papers. By far the most dangerous foe we have to fight is apathy, indifference from whatever cause, 
not from a lack of knowledge, but from carelessness, from absorption in other pursuits, from a contempt bred of self-satisfaction. Fully 25% of the deaths in the community are due to this accursed apathy, fostering a human inefficiency and going far to counterbalance the extraordinary achievements of the past century. Why should we take pride in the wonderful railway system with which enterprise and energy have traversed the land when the supreme law, the public health, is neglected? What comfort in the thought of a people enjoying great material prosperity when we know that the primary elements of life on which even the old Romans were our masters are denied to them? What consolation does the little red schoolhouse afford when we know that a lethean apathy allows toll to be taken of every class from the little tots to the youths and maidens western civilization has been born of knowledge of knowledge won by hard honest sweat of body and brain but in many of the most important relations of life we have failed to make that knowledge effective. And, strange irony of life, the lesson of human efficiency is being taught us by one of the little nations of the earth, which has so far bettered our instruction that we must again turn eastward for wisdom. Perhaps in a few years our civilization may be put on trial, and it will not be without benefit if it arouses the individual from apathy and makes him conscious of the great truth that only by earnest individual human effort can knowledge be made effective and if it arouses communities from an apathy which permits medieval conditions to prevail without a protest against our third great foe vice in all its forms we have to wage an incessant warfare which is not less vigorous because of the quiet, silent kind. Better than anyone else, the physician can say the word in season to the immoral, to the intemperate, to the uncharitable, in word and deed. Personal impurity is the evil against which we can do most good, particularly to the young, by showing the possibility of the pure life and the dangers of immorality. Had I time, and were this the proper occasion, I would like to rouse the profession to a sense of its responsibility toward the social evil, the black plague which devastates the land. I can but call your attention to an important society, of which Dr. Prince Moreau of New York is the organizer, which has for one of its objects the education of the public on this important question. I would urge you to join in a crusade quite as important as that in which we are engaged against tuberculosis. Concord Unity promotes concord, community of interests, the same aims, the same objects give, if anything can, a feeling of comradeship and the active cooperation of many men, while it favours friction lessens the chances of misunderstanding and ill-will. 
one of the most gratifying features of our professional life is the good feeling which prevails between the various sections of the country i do not see how it could be otherwise one has only to visit different parts and mingle with the men to appreciate that everywhere good work is being done everywhere an earnest desire to elevate the standard of education and everywhere the same self-sacrificing devotion on the part of the general practitioner men will tell you that commercialism is rife that the charlatan and the humbug were never so much in evidence and that in our ethical standards there has been a steady declension these are the elijahs who are always ready to pour out their complaints mourning that they are not better than their fathers few men have had more favourable opportunities than i have had to gauge the actual conditions in professional private life in the schools and in the medical societies and as i have seen them in the past twenty years i am filled with thankfulness for the present and with hope for the future the little rift within the lute is the absence in many places of that cordial professional harmony which should exist among us in the larger cities professional jealousies are dying out read charles cordwell's autobiography if you wish for spicy details of the quarrels of the doctors in this country during the first half of the last century i am sorry to say the professors have often been the worst offenders and the rivalry between medical schools has not always been friendly and courteous that it still prevails to some extent must be acknowledged but it is dying out though not so rapidly as we could wish it makes a very bad impression on the public and is often a serious stumbling block in the way of progress only the other day i had a letter from an intelligent and appreciative layman who is interested in a large hospital scheme about which i had been consulted i quote this sentence from it in sorrow and i do so because it is written by a strong personal friend of the profession a man who has had long and varied experience with us i may say to you that one of the most distressing bewilderments of the layman who only desires the working out of a broad plan is the extraordinary bitterness of professional jealousy between not only schoolmen and non-schoolmen but between schoolmen themselves and the reflections which are cast on one another as belonging to that clique which makes it exceedingly difficult for the layman to understand what way there is out of these squabbles the national and special societies and particularly the american medical association have brought men together and have taught them to know each other and to appreciate the good points which at home may have been overlooked as dr brush said yesterday in his address it is in the smaller towns and country districts that the conditions are most favourable for mutual misunderstandings only those of us who have been brought up in such surroundings can appreciate how hard it is for physicians to keep on good terms with each other the practice of medicine 
calls equally for the exercise of the heart and the head and when a man has done his best to have his motives misunderstood and his conduct of a case harshly criticized not only by the family but by a colleague who has been called in small wonder when the opportunity arises if the old adam prevails and he pays in kind so far as my observation goes there are three chief causes for the quarrels of doctors the first is lack of proper friendly intercourse by which alone we can know each other it is the duty of the older man to look on the younger one who settles near him not as a rival but as a son he will do to you just what you did to the old practitioner when as a young man you started get a good many of your cases but if you have the sense to realize that this is inevitable unavoidable and the way of the world and if you have the sense to talk over in a friendly way the first delicate situation that arises the difficulties will disappear and recurrences may be made impossible the young men should be tender with the sensibilities of their seniors deferring to their judgment and taking counsel with them if young graduates could be taken more frequently as assistants or partners the work of the profession would be much lightened and it would promote amity and good fellowship a man of whom you may have heard as the incarnation of unprofessional conduct and who has been held up as an example of all that is pernicious may be in reality a very good fellow the victim of petty jealousies the mark of the arrows of a rival faction and you may on acquaintance find that he loves his wife and is devoted to his children and that there are people who respect and esteem him after all the attitude of mind is the all-important factor in the promotion of concord when a man is praised or when a young man has done a good bit of work in your special branch be thankful it is for the common good envy that pain of the soul as plato calls it should never for a moment afflict a man of generous instincts who has a sane outlook in life the men of rival schools should deliberately cultivate the acquaintance of each other and encourage their students and the junior teachers to fraternize if you hear that a young fellow just starting has made mistakes or is a little off color go out of your way to say a good word to him or for him it is the only cure any other treatment only aggravates the malady the second great cause is one over which we have direct control the most widespread the most pernicious of all vices equal in its disastrous effects to impurity much more disastrous often than intemperance because destructive of all mental and moral nobility as are the others of bodily health is uncharitableness the most prevalent of modern sins peculiarly apt to beset all of us and the chief enemy to concord in our ranks oftentimes it is a thoughtless evil a sort of tick or trick 
an unconscious habit of mind and tongue which gradually takes possession of us no sooner is a man's name mentioned than something slighting is said of him or a story is repeated which is to his disadvantage or the involuntary plight of a brother is ridiculed or even his character is traduced in chronic and malign offenders literally with every word a reputation dies the work of a school is disparaged or the character of the work in a laboratory is belittled or it may be only the faint praise that damns not the generous meed from a full and thankful heart we have lost our fine sense of the tragic element in this vice and of its debasing influence on the character it is interesting that christ and the apostles lashed it more unsparingly than any other who is there among us who does not require every day to lay to heart that counsel of perfection judge not according to the appearance but judge righteous judgment one of the apostles of our profession sir thomas brown has a great thought on the question while thou so hotly disclaimest the devil be not guilty of diabolism fall not into one name with that unclean spirit nor act his nature whom thou so much abhorrest that is to accuse calumniate backbite whisper detract or sinistrously interpret others degenerous depravities and narrow-minded vices not only bellow st paul's noble christian but aristotle's true gentleman trust not with some that the epistle of st james is apocryphal and so read with less fear that stabbing truth that in company with this vice thy religion is in vain moses broke the tables without breaking the law but where charity is broke the law itself is shattered which cannot be whole without love which is the fulfilling of it look humbly upon thy virtues and though thou art rich in some yet think thyself poor and naked without that crowning grace which thinketh no evil which envieth not which beareth hopeth believeth endureth all things with these sure graces while busy tongues are crying out for a drop of cold water mutes may be in happiness and sing the trisagion in heaven and the third cause is the wagging tongue of others who are too often ready to tell tales and make trouble between physicians there is only one safe rule never listen to a patient who begins with a story about the carelessness and inefficiency of dr blank shut him or her up with a snap knowing full well that the same tale may be told of you a few months later fully half of the quarrels of physicians are fomented by the tittle-tattle of patients and the only safeguard is not to listen sometimes it is impossible to check the flow of imprecation and slander and then apply the other rule perfectly safe and one which may be commended as a good practice never believe what a patient tells you 
to the detriment of a brother physician, even though you may think it to be true. To part from the profession of this country and from this old faculty, which I have learned to love so dearly, is a great wrench, one which I would fill more deeply were it not for the nearness of England and for the confidence I feel that I am but going to work in another part of the same vineyard, and were it not for the hope that I shall continue to take interest in your affairs and in the welfare of the medical school, to which I owe so much. It may be that in the hurry and bustle of a busy life I have given offence to some. Who can avoid it? Unwittingly I may have shot an arrow over the house and hurt a brother. If so, I am sorry, and I ask his pardon. So far as I can read my heart, I leave you in charity with all. I have striven with none, not, as Walter Savage Landor says, because none was worth the strife, but because I have had a deep conviction of the hatefulness of strife, of its uselessness, of its disastrous effects, and a still deeper conviction of the blessings that come with unity, peace, and concord. And I would give to each of you, my brothers, you who hear me now, and to you who may elsewhere read my words, to you who do our greatest work laboring incessantly for small rewards in towns and country places, to you the more favoured ones who have special fields of work, to you teachers and professors and scientific workers, to one and all, through the length and breadth of the land, I give a single word as my parting commandment. It is not hidden from thee, neither is it far off. It is not in heaven that thou shouldest say, who shall go up for us to heaven, and bring it unto us, that we may hear it, and do it? Neither is it beyond the sea, that thou shouldest say, Who shall go over the sea for us, and bring it unto us, that we may hear it, and do it? But the word is very nigh unto thee, in thy mouth and in thy heart, that thou mayest do it charity end of chapter 21 unity peace and concord recording by luke sartor griffith new south wales